John 17. Okay, if you'd stand with me, I'm going to read uh, John 17, verses 6 through 12. If you want to follow along while I read. John 17, verse 6. Jesus is praying, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. I'll pray, please. Father, as we pray to you, just like Jesus prayed to you these couple thousands of years ago. Father, we thank you that you hear us, that you respond to us, and, and as we look into your word this morning, we pray that you would teach us, and that you would open our eyes afresh to who we are, uh, to who you are to us. Father, that you would continue to make us a people that wonderfully glorify you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let me sit down. There's power in a name, right? Power in a name. And we are... We are $166,000 away from our goal of money that we're raising for the shelter. So understanding that, I want you to imagine that we get a phone call upstairs and Erica answers the phone. She's not here this morning, she's taking care of Pat, so I can pick on her. Hopefully she won't listen to it online. <laughs> so Erica picks up the phone and how is Erica going to respond, those of you that know Erica? When the person on the other end says that their name is Bill Gates, she's going to respond by saying, Oh, I'm sorry, I think Dave's busy. <laughs> Could I take him? This is how Erica would respond. Bill Gates! <laughs> That's exactly how she would respond. And then wherever I was, she would yell to wherever I was, letting me know that Bill Gates was on the phone and wanted to give us the last $166,000. Unfortunately, Bill Gates didn't get the application I sent to the Bill Gates Foundation, so we never got any money from them. 
Or, let's say that you're getting nowhere with a problem that you're having with the city of Bremerton. And you have talked to every imaginable secretary, clerk, accountant, office person, and you have gotten nowhere. You've felt like you've just gotten the, the run around the brush off. Nobody cares about you and your problem. But then, you just happen to be in conversation with your friend, the mayor, and you let her know what's going on, and she says, will you tell them to talk to me? And you do, and what happens? Well, all of a sudden, your problem is very important and immediately taken care of. Or let's say that you're working on your football passing skills. Okay, well, Mike will pretend that's you. Because you really want to beat Dave Frederick's football team the next time, time you play. And you know that in order to do that, it's going to take some excellent passing skills on your part. Wishful thinking that you could beat my team, but anyway. You just aren't getting it, and it, it, it seems like it's hopeless to beat Dave's team. And then when you're out practicing at Evergreen Park, somebody walks up to you and says, would you like me to give you some advice? And Mike looks at him and says, get out of my face. Can't you? <laughs> and gives that don't bother me attitude to this guy and... Uh, until one of your friends sidles up to you and says, Mike, that was Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> wow, you people are losers. <laughs> no, I, was I was kidding, I was kidding. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback that led the Packers to the Super Bowl championship. Okay. You people need to read the news a little bit more? Okay, anyway. Aaron Rodgers. There's power in a name. And all of a sudden, Mike, who quickly remembered who Aaron Rodgers was, decides that instead of a get-out-of-my-face attitude, he would say, absolutely, and there's hope that he could beat Dave Frederick's team. There's power in a name. How many times have we experienced, I know I have, when... I've been wanting to accomplish something or do something or apply for something where somebody that I've been talking to has said, well, you can use my name. There's power in a name. Now, as we come to John chapter 17 here, if you remember, as we were reading, I hope you noticed that Jesus is leaving earth. This is his last big prayer to his father as he's leaving earth. He's returning to the father and as Daniel shared last week, the glory that they shared together from eternity. And leaving earth means he's leaving his followers. And he's been their everything. If you, you don't have to read the gospels very long to find out that he's their everything. <laughs> I mean, he's their teacher, he's their leader, he's their provider, he's their protector, and now he's leaving. 
And what's going to happen? What's going to happen to these people, to these disciples who have depended upon him for everything? Who's going to provide for them? Who's going to protect them? Who's going to lead them? Who's going to teach them? In a world that is going to be very hostile to them, who's going to be their keeper? Now, what makes this such a good question, not only regarding the disciples, but also regarding us, is because it's, it's a relevant question for us, too. Who or what are we to look to to keep us, to protect us, to provide for us to, uh, in this world in which we live? We all feel insecure at times, right? Inadequate? Like, what am I going to do? And where am I going to look? And who's going to provide this? How's this? I mean, like Kristen just shared, how is this going to be provided? Vulnerable? That's exactly how the disciples had to feel at this point in their life when they... When, when Jesus has been talking that he's soon to return to the Father, and, and what are they to think, but my goodness, what are we going to do? Kind of like facing a judge with a um, public defender instead of a high-paid attorney, huh? <laughs> um, so where is... Or how are we to find certainty in a world that is becoming more and more uncertain every day, right? <laughs> because of the times in which we live. When, when we don't, or maybe you don't, we don't have particular, a lot of money, you know? We don't have an important position or maybe connections, a special talent, you know, like my passing ability. Uh, don't have good looks, you know, it's going to make you a movie actor or actress. Certainty in the midst of uncertainty. Well, unfortunately, I think most of us spend most of our time looking for those connections, <laughs> important connections. If we just know the right people, it's easy to get distracted by that. I, I know for me, writing grants to raise money for the shelter and for our ministry, I found myself at times thinking that the answer was grants. <laughs> if I just write another grant, you know? That the answer is in important people or the right connections or... If I can just put money away into a retirement fund so even though the economy goes south, I'll be okay. Where's your security? Is it in a job? That the way things are going could be lost? It's amazing. We were talking to a, a man a few weeks ago at a restaurant who has worked for himself for 32 years and is in fear of losing his home because of the economy. After 32 years of being without work, working for himself, where's your security? 
So as we come to Luke chapter, I mean, excuse me, John chapter 17, Jesus is praying about this exact thing for his followers, his disciples, as he's leaving and they're uncertain, uncertain and, and they're feeling vulnerable and they're feeling like, what is going to happen and what are we going to do? Jesus prays for them. I want you to look at verse 11. In these verses 6 through 12, there's one request that Jesus makes, and it's surrounded by all the other verses, but he makes one request in verse 11. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world. But I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name. Protect them by the power of your name. That's the heart of this section. Protect them by the power of your name. And I, and I have another word that I prefer to protect because the word that is there is a bigger word than protect. Because when we think of protect, we think of somebody's coming at me, threatening me, and Garrett stands up and protects me. Would you do that? He's not sure. It's much bigger than, it's not just about defending me against harm. It's the, the, the better word is keep, I think. Because the word has more the idea of take care of in, in every way possible that we need to be taken care of. Keep them by the power of your name. In every way, take care of them, Father, in any way that they might have a need. Keep them by the power of your name. Now, I want you to get this. If we get this, what Jesus is praying to his Father about, keep them by the power of your name, it will be liberating for us. It will be from the uncertainty of the world that surrounds us. Father, keep them, you all, by the power of your name. Father, do that. What does that mean? Well, that's our task this morning, simply to get what Jesus is praying for his disciples and praying for us. Father, keep them by the power of your name. Now, in order to get this, we need to recognize a few things. First of all, Number one, that the power of a name is the power of a person. You get that? And when we're talking about the power of a name, we're talking about the person behind that name. And that's why when Erica answers the phone and she hears Bill Gates, it's not because there's something cool about that name or something mystically powerful about that name, but it's because behind that name is a guy that has a lot of money. It's the person behind the name. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that Jesus is praying to the Father for us. you see that? Go back to verse 6. Well, actually, we'll start at verse 9. It says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. 
All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world, and they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name. It's something Jesus is praying for the Father to do for us. It's not something for us to do. You see that? That's the opposite of how we think so often. Jesus is praying to the Father something that the Father would do for us. It's not something for us to do. Keep them by the power of your name. That's not our job. Keep them, Father, by the power of your name. It's like Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened by life, and I will give you something to do. Remember that verse? I hope not, because that's not what it says. <laughs> Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and uncertain about life and all of its problems and uncertainties, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. It's really important to get that Jesus is praying to the Father for something the Father is going to do for us. This isn't something for us to do. Okay? Number three. We carry on in verse 11 as Jesus says, Now protect them by the power of your name. Notice how it goes on. It says, So that they will be united just as we are. Third thing really important to get here is that the goal of Jesus' prayer is what? Relationship. So that they will be united just as we are. Jesus says, protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. It almost seems like, wow, that doesn't seem that important. The goal of Jesus' prayer is relationship. That we might be closer with one another and with the Father and the Son and this is, this is the heart of it here. The goal of this prayer isn't accomplishing, but becoming. Get the difference? Well, we, we really get that mixed up. The whole focus of our lives become, I know my life often becomes accomplishing things <laughs> instead of drawing closer to people. And so we become driven to do things instead of drawn drawing closer to people. So third thing. The fourth thing is, I want you to notice, look at verse 12. Jesus says, During my time here, I protected them, or I kept them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them. The fourth thing that it's really important to get is that what Jesus is asking of the Father, what he's praying for the Father to do, isn't something new. It's what Jesus has already been doing. You see that? Jesus in verse 11 prays, Father, keep them by the power of your name. In verse 12, Jesus says, while I've been on the earth, that's what I've been doing. I have been keeping them by the power of your name. So it's not a new thing. It's what Jesus has been doing all along. And so really what we need to ask is, what did he do? As he was living on earth, 
for those three to four years walking with his disciples right there alongside of him, what was he doing to keep them by the power of his name? And the answer is really simple. This isn't something complicated. In fact, the answer is in verse 6. I want you to look. Go back up to the beginning. How does Jesus start off this section? He says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. Now what makes it a little harder to, to get is that the word you there is a translation choice that the translators have made because it doesn't say you in the text. Do you know what it says? What's that? Your name. Your name. You got a different translation. That's right. I have revealed your name. I have revealed you. But, it, but it's not a bad choice because they're, they, they're like the same thing. Bill Gates' name is Bill Gates. When somebody comes down into the kitchen and they're goofing off and they say, Dave is coming down the stairs. It's not because there's something special about the name Dave, but it's because behind the name Dave is the name Boss. <laughs> I have revealed you to the ones you gave me, and this is it. I want you to get this. Jesus kept his disciples by revealing to his disciples the Father. That's how it goes together. Can you say that one more time? Nope. Okay. Jesus kept his disciples by revealing to his disciples the Father. And so he prays, Father, keep doing it. And in chapters 14, 15, and 16, which pre precede chapter 17, the whole focus of those chapters is Jesus praying that the Holy Spirit would come and carry on what he had already been teaching. Father, continue through your Holy Spirit to reveal to my disciples, my followers, who you are so they might be kept by the power of of who you are, your name. I want you to listen to some verses. I just, I just jotted a bunch down here. Listen to this. Psalm 8-9 says, and there are hundreds of these in the Bible. I just wrote down a smattering of them. Psalm 8-9 says, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Psalm 9-10 says, those who know your name will put their trust in you. And that's a good one. Saying those who know you, God, will trust you. Psalm 48.10 says, As your name deserves, O God, you will be praised. Psalm 72.19 says, Blessed be his glorious name forever. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong fortress the godly run to him and are safe. That's a good verse. 
the name of the Lord or the Lord is a strong fortress, you can run to him and be safe. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And I want you to know the disciples got this because, because the, the letters, the epistles in the New Testament are full of the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the name that began way back when, in Exodus chapter 4, where God says, I am who I am. This is my name, Yahweh. And that name is the name of Jesus. And Jesus is that name that is above every. And that's what it's talking about here in John 17, where Jesus says, that name you've had, you've given to me because it's the same name. Because God says, I am the Lord, there is no other. I won't give my glory to another. They're the same. Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There is no other name <laughs> under heaven that we can trust, that we can run to, that we can depend upon, that will keep us like the name of Jesus. The disciples, God, I just want to turn with me to Acts chapter 4, if you would. I want to, it's just, again, I, you know, a great study. If you're struggling with uncertainty, <laughs> you need encouragement. You need to know that there's someone there for you, no matter what you're going through. The study of the name of of God is a wonderful study because the name of the Lord is like a strong fortress that you can run to and be safe. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Peter and John have been brought before the high priests, the same high priests that murdered Jesus. That would make you a little uncomfortable, huh? A little scared? Acts chapter 4, verse 7 these high priests, they brought in the two disciples, Peter and John, and they demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? And that is, healed a lame man. Verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Is that a problem? Do you want to know how he was healed? Well, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone the name above all names, as it says in Philippians 2, 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess. Therefore, in verse 12, there is salvation. You could put in the word deliverance. Hope. Certainty. In no one else, for God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, be delivered 
find hope and certainty in an uncertain world that we live in. Do we get it? It's not really rocket science we're talking about here. It's identity. Identity. Where do you get your certainty in an uncertain world? Is it from people you know and think will be you're in? Is it from money in the bank? Is it from a job that you're holding on to? Is it from a relationship? You know, all those things, despite how certain you think they are, can, can just be gone. One of the most... Um, we had Richard Lemieux over for dinner about three weeks ago who wrote Breakfast at Sally's, and he was telling us as he was, he was at a meeting and he was talking to some people who's, who said... I will never go through what you went through because my kids would always take me in. And his response to them was, you never know. You never know. When he became homeless, not one of his kids welcomed him into their homes and he ended up homeless. What are you holding on to for certainty in life? You know, our problem is, I think, that, is that we forget what, what the name is that is above every other name and the name alone that can bring certainty. And so we look to other names and we look to other things, other things that we think are so uncertain, but they're not. So I get a, as I mentioned earlier, I get a Cheney Foundation grant and I get a Willow Foundation grant and I begin to see that oh, grants are my provider. I get a great lawyer for a legal issue I'm going through, and then I begin to see him or her as my defender, not Jesus. You see how easily we forget how we are kept in this world? A foundation turns me down for a grant, and I'm crushed. Now what am I going to do? A job you were counting on you didn't get. A friend that you thought would never let you down lets you down. The economy goes bad. So what should our response be? Psalm 910 that I quoted earlier is just a simple, great response. And I think the heart of what Jesus is praying for his disciples and for us. Psalm 910 says, Those who know your name will put their trust in you. So what is there for us to do? If Jesus' prayer is something for the Father to do, keep them by the power of your name, which he has done in his Son, who has done everything that needs to be done. It's a great verse, 1 Corinthians 1.30. Listen to this, it says, By His doing, this is by God the Father's doing, you are in Christ Jesus. By His doing, you are in Christ Jesus. That's good, that's encouraging, because if it's our doing, then we can undo it, right? But if it's by God's doing, we are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, 
and sanctification and redemption. Now those are all big words, but what they simply mean is redemption is freedom in Christ. Sanctification is special in Christ. Righteousness is in right relationship with Christ. By God's doing, that's what we are and that's who we are in Christ Jesus. So what is our response? If God has done it all and it's by His doing that we're in Christ Jesus, what is there for us to do? It's for us to trust. That's what it says. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. Quit putting our trust in things that aren't certain. In lesser names. In lesser things. To run to Him in uncertainty. To find our hope in Him. Now how are we going to do that? We're only going to do that if we're getting to know the man behind the name. <laughs> right? I mean, we come to a hard situation. We come to uncertainty of times. And, and we're not spending time getting to know our God. Then what's going to happen in uncertainty? We're going to be unraveled. And we're going to be out of control. And we're going to be scared. And we're going to be uncertain. Because we don't know Him. We won't know Him to run to Him and trust Him. We're going to frantically look here and there and try to find the answer. We've got to get to know our God. And I think that's the simple, what do we do in response to Jesus' prayer is get to know our God. Get into His Word. Have you been in His Word lately? regularly, daily, getting to know Him, building that relationship, falling in love, finding out the one who is the name above all names. That's certainty. Let's pray. Father, ah, we, uh, we make life hard on ourselves. by looking to such lesser things and lesser people instead of getting to know the one who is the name above all names, the strong tower, our mighty defender, our savior, our provider, our keeper. Oh God, I pray that you would put within us a hunger to get to know Jesus. that we might run to him and find in him to be everything we need. In Jesus' name, amen.